Hey, Barrett Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Invida has had his hand in many aspects of the music industry. He was an engineer at a large analog studio, collaborating with major labels and having engineering credits with Nora Jones, Yoko Ono, Death Cab for Cutie, and many more. He is a producer, writer, mix engineer for other artists across other genres of pop, and he is a successful DJ and producer and creator of dance music. Up next on Slebswant, we've got Invida. Where do we find you in the world and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Um, I am here in Manhattan in my studio right now. Great. So now let's take it to the very beginning. At what age did you decide, cool, you want to be in the entertainment world? And how did that progress to where we are today? Man, I think uh, I've always done music. It's all I've really ever done uh, professionally. And as a kid, you know, it was one of my main hobbies, main interests from uh, the earliest, earliest that I can remember. Playing piano, playing guitar, playing drums. Playing instruments as a, as a young kid growing up was my first foray into music. And I was always making beats uh, after high school on my laptop, went, uh, went on from there. I went to college for music, uh, for production. Learned as much as one can in school about recording and making records. Had some great professors. And yeah, after uh, after a few years in college, I... Moved down to New York City for three different internships in uh, what was supposed to be the summer between my third and fourth year of college. And internships went great and went so well that I ended up getting offered a job at a large analog studio here in New York uh, and decided that I had to take it. So I took the job and decided to to stop my college degree and uh yeah never never looked back really and tell us what was the job that you did yeah so i first started as an intern you know this was like a two floor analog studio very old school approach uh they still did a lot of analog recording and had a tremendous amount of gear and and a lot of like big clients that would come in there so they needed an intern and a runner someone to take care of the clients and the artists when they were there but also because it was such a big facility and it was a small team it was very hands-on so i was also involved in you know setting up for sessions and and got a lot of hands-on experience really from the beginning Um, and i grew there and worked my way up for uh, a number of years as you know, as then as an assistant and had someone else who would take care of the coffee. Um, and I was focused primarily on, you know, assisting in sessions and setting things up and helping out in the control room. Um, and then became a staff engineer there and had the opportunity to record a number of people and just get progressively more, more and more hands-on. What does it mean to be an engineer in the music world? An engineer is... Um, you know, pretty much 
responsible for capturing the live performances of musicians, I guess, um, and then also mixing things. So it's kind of engineering by itself refers more to the technical aspect of it. So, yeah, you know, adjusting levels, making things aren't distorted, capturing the sounds properly, making things sound polished and, and finished. Um, that's, you know, that can be different than the term production or producer, which kind of refers more to the crafting the artistic side or the creative side of a project. It's often, often you wear both hats at the same time, but in a traditional uh, older studio where I was first working, the engineer and producer were often very different roles. So the engineers were often, you know, really just tasked with capturing all the sound and making sure it was uh, as it was to the producer's liking essentially it was often not the same person. Um, and, and more as I've evolved and as the world evolved a little bit and technology evolved a little bit more, I think it's become increasingly common for engineer and producer to be the same person and for engineering to be so much part of production process because things are very technologically based. Now it's not so much about large groups of musicians in a room anymore. I mean, it could be, but it's often not in pop music. Which artists did you have the opportunity to collaborate with? So I was there, I, while I was there, um, I had the opportunity to work with Yoko Ono, Nora Jones, Sting, the Gypsy Kings, whom I've always loved. Um, we did a tremendous amount of jazz at that studio. Rufus Wainwright, a lot of, uh, a lot of really cool really cool artists that, that I, I loved. Lou Reed was there. So it was a highlight. Yeah. Those are, those are the first names that, that come to me right now, but it was, it was great to learn from those people and those teams and to kind of immerse yourself in, in the creative process of such legendary artists. Were the collaborations for those artists for albums or for singles? The people that I mentioned were mostly albums. And pretty much anyone who came there was working on an album. Or if they weren't working on an album, they were just there for a very specific thing. You know, they were on tour and they happened to need to record vocals for something for one afternoon. So they would come in and record something that the label needed and then they'd go off on their way. It was kind of, it was either that or people would be, you know, in for one week, two weeks maybe shorter, maybe longer, but let's say one to two weeks for a an album recording was pretty typical. You know, you'd get all the band, uh, all the musicians booked for a set period of time. You would have rehearsed them, and then you'd come to us and do all the recording. And sometimes then you would do overdubs and editing and mixing, or you would maybe just take that with you and you'd go back to LA or wherever you were in the world. And then you'd finish it off there. We were often either like the first or last step in the production process, I would say, but sometimes we were both. How long does it take an album to be completed from start to finish? Depends how many times the artist uh, changes their mind about, about uh, <laughs> whether they like it or not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I think it, it can be extremely efficient. Um, like I said, you could you could go in and record for a few days and you could spend then a couple days 
doing some overdubs and fixes and some editing, and then you could mix it also in a couple of days. I've seen that happen, but it's, I think it's, it's pretty rare. It's more common in the very organic realms of music. I mean, especially if you're talking about jazz or something like that, you know, jazz is all about capturing what happened in the room and making it sound good. And then the listener just experiences whatever that was. So it's kind of a very hands-off approach. So those projects are definitely the fastest. You know, you start talking about, you know, changing the artist's performances or adding a lot of sounds or layers to something. And then obviously you add a lot of time to to the process. So, you know, something like, uh, I don't know, Dua Lipa record on the other end of the spectrum or, or whomever, pick your favorite pop star of the moment. You know, those things probably, you know, span a, a year or or more from start to finish from the process of like, gathering songs, writing songs, you know, choosing which ones are going to make the album, making demos, uh, producing the demos, changing them, making different versions, all that, you know, it takes a lot of different people and a lot of different, a lot of often spread out over, you know, period of time. How many songs are normally recorded for an album and then narrowed down for the end result? I mean, I'd, I think um, it's, I think it's pretty common for people to you know go through maybe you know 50 to 100 songs or more before deciding on the best say 10 for an album i think that's you know certainly not unheard of whether whether or not they would actually record all of them versus just you've listened to a demo or you you know Recording could mean maybe they just spent a few hours writing it or they received a demo from other writers, not necessarily that they went through the whole production process on a hundred songs to pick 10, but you know, you would at least have to have some kind of a, some kind of a demo in some form, I think. Um, but it doesn't always have to be that many songs. I'm sure people have done that and, and much less, but it's definitely not uncommon to choose from a very, large batch to narrow down the, the the really the best ones so tell us what happens to those songs that aren't chosen <laughs> yeah that's um they they sit around on the shelf or circulate to a number of other people and the people who wrote the songs hope that they will be taken as soon as possible but you know yeah i think um especially in the in the pop world or the dance world, yeah, you might write a song today and pitch it around to a bunch of different artists. And eventually four years later, something happens with it or, or more sometimes much less, but it's not uncommon that things really do take a long time and you might have a few people who were interested in it. And then, okay, send it to one person, they work on it six months later, they've, feeling kind of frustrated or they're not sure. So they pass on it. So then you do the whole process over again, send it to other people. And, you know, publishers are usually handling that kind of a thing. It's not usually the the writers themselves, but it could be. Uh, I've certainly done that myself before. Um, but yeah, this you can't rush it. You know, it's part of the process. It's like a winding river. Have you written music for other artists and yourself or just yourself? Yeah, I've written a lot of music for other artists. It's how I, that's how I made the shift from engineering and focusing on the technical aspect of everything to, uh, you know, producing and eventually to my own project. I think in the, my, my interim period was 
writing instrumental music for largely for TV shows and then writing lyrics and melody for other people because I don't sing myself. Um, I, I just kind of do everything else. So I was writing, you know, top lines, as you would call it, the vocal part, you know, lyrics and melody, and then pitching it to other singers, to, uh, to DJs, because in the dance world, most DJs don't sing and most dance records have a, have a vocal on it, right? So someone has to write that. So there's a like kind of ever present need in the dance world for acapellas that DJs can use for their songs. So I started in that world. I started writing lyric and melody for some people. Um, and that's how I got interested in, in the writing process. I, w- I was always interested in it, but I never had really focused on it. And so I saw some success from it and enjoyed it and, you know, built a name for myself in that world a bit. And, you know, it was how I made that shift. Then eventually after that transitioning to writing music for myself. Um, so, you know, my own project, I write most of the lyrics and melody with the singers. Um, I like to be a part of it. I like to be very hands-on and a lot of clients of mine, you know, come to me for production. They also want me to help co-write the things with them. How long did it take you to decide to start creating music for yourself? Um, it took me a number of years. It was never something that I uh, put at the forefront of my goals. I was always like, oh yeah, you know, maybe one day I would release my own music, but I was very focused on trying to just work with other artists and uh, kind of very happy in the background and happy behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, I met I met a couple people along the way who really believed in me and were like, you know, why did you not re- release music? You should you should be releasing your own music. Like you should have your own project. You could really do this. And I was, was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. It's t- it is you know, it's time. So. Yeah, it took a little bit of pushing from uh, from the universe, but but here I am. Was there a bit of hesitation in the sense that you didn't think that you could do it? Probably, yeah. I think I think there probably even still is now. You know, I think um, it's much easier to stand behind a, a closed door and write music and have it be someone else's problem, whether the world likes it or not and how they want to market it or not. And if it is successful, it's kind of like, Oh, well, yeah, I just wrote the thing. Don't look at me. You know, it's your song. <laughs> you know? um, I think that there is some element of that. So when you take ownership of like, Hey, this is my song. I'm releasing it. Look at me. You know, it's, yeah, you're putting yourself in a spotlight and on a stage and it's definitely intimidating, you know? So, um, yeah, I suppose that was probably why I never pushed for it. Excellent. So let's unpack. Tell us a little bit more about your own projects and what's coming up next. So, yeah, so my own project, um, Invita is where I release all of my dance music. It's, you know, my artist project, that I started a few years ago. Yeah, I've been just focused a lot this year on writing and releasing more music. I've got a song coming in January, February, March, uh, and a number of others that are, uh, you know, waiting to be actually scheduled, but they're circulating with labels and 
yeah, a lot of music that I'm excited to share with the world. So, and, and I've been performing more as well as a DJ, you know, that was also not something that I allowed myself to make a main focus of my career for a while. And now as part of the artist project, I've been, you know, putting more, more focus on that. So yeah, should be, should be quite cool. Are you still writing music for others or just for yourself now? Yeah, I'm writing, uh, writing for others. I just had a session yesterday uh, for, you know, another DJ with a, another vocalist. Um, So I do, I do a lot of that. Um, with writing for other people, it can be quite time consuming to do that. So I've strayed away from that a little bit. I've been doing a lot of work for, you know, like production work for clients or mixing uh, when I'm not focused on my own, on, on Envita. Um, but I do enjoy writing for other people as well. It's, it's definitely still very freeing and very fun. But I've learned since launching Envita that it's great to write for that uh, because I'm in complete control. And it's like I've discovered the beauty of being in control rather than the fear of what happens when you're in control. So I think that's, uh, that's a great thing. You mentioned that when you're writing for others that there's less control. Tell us why that is. Well, because you don't really know what they're going to do with it. Okay. <laughs> you don't really know... Yeah, you know, you're often not the final decision maker in um, any part of the process, really. I mean, if if you're producing and writing it, fine. That's not really the case. But if you're writing, if you're writing a top line for somebody and they say, okay, great, I like the song, I'm going to make a version of it. You don't really have much control over what that version sounds oh, like. Oh, okay, I understand, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you might get asked what you think about it, but you don't really have control. <laughs> um, the vocalist might have some control, right? It's their voice on it. They can say, oh, guys, like the second verse is crap. Like we need, I need to re-record that. That that can be uh, that can be a thing. But the you know the artist, whoever is really releasing the song, has the ultimate say. You know, with their label or or whomever. And have you ever heard or received a version of one of your songs that you did not like? I've had reactions to them because they've come back sounding incredibly different than whatever like my original demo was, but I've learned that, you know, it's fine and to embrace it and they've, you know, become quite successful and, and, you know, have been embraced by the public in, in their own way. So I'm like, okay, who am I to say if I, you know, just, everything's so subjective, right? So just because I prefer something you know, slower and not sped up doesn't mean that the rest of the world does. And it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be sped up. So, um, you know, everything's really subjective and it's just the reality of being a creative person is that you're not, you're not alone in that creative process. You're, you know, you're always collaborating. And unless I, like I said, you're at the, you're the very end decision maker. There's a lot of other hands are going to touch that. Okay, now I love this game. I know that if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two years, I know your answer will be different every time because there are millions of them. I recognize that and I understand that. I'm not saying your favorites, but if you had to push play to five songs by other artists once we finish this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom? Um, I would definitely say You Two, um, Streets Have No Name, uh, Nora Jones, come away with me. Killers, Mr. Brightside, love it's it's so 
it's so overplayed, but I but I love it. Uh, the Foo Fighters, Monkey Wrench, and Nine Inch Nails, Closer. Cool, nice mix. I'm definitely going to add some of those to my playlist. Now, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Uh, keep an eye out for, uh, for a lot of music uh, this year. I've got a release coming on Ultra Records in February that I'm very excited about. Um, and, uh, and, and a bunch of other, bunch of other exciting collaborations with, uh, some pretty talented people. So it's going to be a, going to be a big year and I can't wait to share it with all of you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah.